Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is out this week. First, a look at this week's news. In a surprising reversal, smartphone maker Xiaomi said over the weekend there is no timetable for its mainland share offering and that it will complete its listing in Hong Kong. The move was a setback to China's attempts to entice its foreign-listed tech giants back home. Between the mainland and Hong Kong listings, Xiaomi was expected to raise $10 billion. Analysts said the postponement of the mainland issuance is likely due to concerns that securities would have been subject to too much volatility if they had started trading at the same time as in Hong Kong. Xiaomi stayed mum on why it delayed the listing and when it would launch its mainland shares. China's big three national wireless carriers are scrapping domestic data roaming fees. The change follows an order from the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology that China Mobile, China Telecom, and China Unicom should do away with roaming fees by July 1 and slash the cost of data services on mobile devices by at least 30% by the end of the year. China's telecom carriers have been charging domestic roaming fees for mobile phones since services started two decades ago, a legacy of the structure of the state-owned telecommunications industry, which was administered at the provincial level. A person who registers for mobile phone service in one province needs to pay additional fees when making calls or using data in other provinces. Countries such as the US, Singapore, Germany, and the UK do not impose such charges. Although advances in technology made roaming charges less justifiable, mobile carriers had long fought attempts to get them scrapped. After experiencing a massive boom in 2017, China's bike-sharing market is expected to shift into a slower lane this year. According to iMedia Research, there were only 28 million shared bike riders in 2016. That number exploded by over 630% to 205 million last year. But the number is expected to grow only by about 15% this year and in 2019, the Hong Kong-based consultancy said. The slowdown is due mainly to oversaturation. 
More than 40 latecomers rushed into the bike-sharing industry in recent years, fueling cutthroat competition that saw players spend furiously to offer steep discounts in a bid to win larger market shares. But with Mobike and Ofo commanding most of the sector's cash and user base, many rivals have since folded. JD.com has struck a deal with Google, under which the U.S. search giant will invest $550 million in China's second-largest e-commerce company, furthering both firms' international expansion ambitions. The two companies plan to collaborate on a range of strategic initiatives, including development of retail solutions in Southeast Asia, the U.S., and Europe, they said. JD.com said it plans to make a selection of high-quality products available for sale through Google Shopping in multiple regions without identifying the products. The Chinese online retailer has been playing catch-up with its bigger rival Alibaba amid a brewing online shopping war in Asia, especially in the relatively new e-commerce markets of Southeast Asia. The deal is also part of Google's ongoing attempt to re-enter the China market after shuttering its mainland search engine in 2010. Debt-ridden Chinese financial conglomerate Anbang Insurance Group, previously controlled by once-high-flying tycoon Wu Xiaohui, is now nearly entirely owned by a state-run insurance bailout fund that injected almost $10 billion into the company earlier this year. The China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission has approved revisions to the Charter of Incorporation of Anbang, which will see the China Insurance Security Fund holding 98% of its shares. Wu, founder and formerly chairman of Anbang, was sentenced to 18 years in prison last month for fundraising fraud and embezzlement. During the hearing, prosecutors accused Wu of raising more than 700 billion yuan from illicit insurance sales by Anbang's property insurance subsidiary. China and Nepal have signed an agreement to develop a cross-border railway and the improvement of road links between the two countries. The transportation deals are part of a package of bilateral agreements covering politics, infrastructure, energy, and technology signed during Nepalese Prime Minister Khadga Prasad Sharma Oli's meeting with Premier Li Keqiang at Beijing's Great Hall of the People last week. Oli was in China for a six-day visit that also included a stop in Lhasa, Tibet's capital. The Nepalese delegation argued for the opening of nine more border points to improve connectivity between the countries up from the four entry points that have been agreed upon. It is unclear whether a deal on that issue was reached. Oli came to power in February as the head of a left-wing alliance with a mandate to improve economic ties with China after Nepal's first general election since 1999. The government is wary of the Himalayan country's reliance on India, which Nepal accused of carrying out an unofficial blockade in support of protests among the country's Madesi minority in 2015. The Indian government denied the charges. China has paid its final $580 million tranche to Sri Lanka as part of a deal that gives Beijing control over the strategic Hambantota deepwater port. The payment concludes a billion-dollar deal that was formalized in December under which state-owned China merchant port holdings took a majority stake in the port on a 99-year lease. The port is key to the maritime section of China's Belt and Road Initiative, which involves building a network of harbors across China's southern sea routes to facilitate trade. But the deal has been controversial in Sri Lanka due to the debt the government racked up during the port's development. 
Earlier this month, Sri Lankan media reported that China had delayed the final payment after the Sri Lankan government objected to Chinese plans to develop a man-made entertainment island near the project. It is unclear how the issue was addressed before the final payment. China Merchant Port is a major state-owned investment holding company with businesses spanning port operations, container shipping, cold storage, and logistics. At least 25 senior officials overseeing China's prison system have fallen from grace over abuse of power linked to commutations, medical paroles, and supervised detentions since President Xi Jinping launched an anti-corruption drive six years ago. The opaque prison system has been under intense scrutiny following several scandals in which top prison officials were found to have taken money in return for helping inmates. The prisoners were serving lengthy sentences but had deep pockets and significant influence that allowed them to get their sentences commuted or to be released on medical parole. In 2014 alone, more than 120 prisoners who once held high-ranking positions bribed prison and court officials to get paroled or have their sentences reduced, China's top prosecutor told legislators in 2015. Those currently being investigated or who have been convicted include the head of prison administration in the northern province of Shanxi and the former director of the Xinjiang Prison Administration. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Caixin Global's reporters for a closer look at a couple of stories for the week. First up is Jason Tan, business reporter with Caixin Global. Jason, we're going to talk first about Huawei, which is a company that's been in the news a lot this week. Uh, we haven't talked much about this company on this show, surprisingly, so perhaps for our listeners, we could provide a quick explanation of who they are and uh, why we're talking about them this week. This actually has been a really bad week for Huawei. For some brief uh, background of Huawei, it's actually um, the world's largest supplier of telecommunication uh, equipment, this networking gear to a lot of like wireless carriers. It is also one of the largest smartphone makers in the world. The ranking is only behind Samsung and Apple. It is the largest smartphone uh, maker in China, and China is currently the largest smartphone market as well. Yeah. Great. Okay, so they're an important company, obviously, a massive player in telecoms equipment uh, all along the value chain, really. But uh, you mentioned that they're not having a particularly good week. Uh, what, what's happened to Huawei this week? I believe you produced um, more than one story about them just this week. Yes, this is really a, not a smooth sailing week for the company. It involves international expansion. One is in the U.S., another one is in Australia. In the U.S., Five lawmakers have written a letter to Google CEO asking Google, why do you want to work with Huawei? Because Huawei, you know, has the ties with government and military. If you're working with uh, Huawei, that means, you know, our national security issues could be compromised. Uh, what they are referring to is, is the partnership announced in January. A very common partnership between a software and a hardware maker. So in this case, is uh, Huawei phones is going to have the instant messaging app developed by Google. So do we know yet what Google plans to do with respect to the partnership? Are they actually planning on dropping Huawei then? Google said that you you know they have been working with a lot of the makers of different hardwares like smartphones, which use Google's uh, solutions. Google's also assured that you know like um, the partnership is common for a big company like Google. And also, Google wouldn't share any users' data with the partners. 
so basically, they're not planning on dropping the partnership, but it may have caused Google at least to be a little more more circumspect about working with Huawei, knowing that they're going to be under close scrutiny then from regulators. Yes, true. And what about the second story about Australia? In this case, because Australia is going to build their networks for 5G, which is really important because um, it is like giving us 10 times the speed of the current 4G. So that means a lot of telecom equipment makers, including Huawei, ZTE, want to you know get a slice of the pie. But Australian media say that you know like coding government sources due to the you know again the links with Chinese military and government uh, chances are very high that uh, Huawei wouldn't be able to beat in the 5G infrastructure building uh, in Australia. In this case, Huawei itself is writing an open letter to Australian law lawmakers. Uh, it details the company's operation in over hundred markets. People are using their equipment, handsets. They appeal to the uh, parliament saying that, you know, like, hey, uh, maybe just come to our office. We can answer any of your concerns. Huawei says they are willing to set up a kind of lab for the local authorities to, to evaluate and test their equipment. Well, this comes at a time of real strain in the, in the relationship between Australia and China, uh, where, you know, Australia is engaged in this massive internal debate over Chinese influence. Uh, is it looking like Australia is ready to shut Huawei out entirely, or do you think that their current efforts are going to bear fruit? Huawei is now the, um, the largest supplier of telecommunication uh, equipment, and their price is actually pretty um, cost-effective compared to com competitors. So unless Australia plans to uh, beef up the price, rack up the price to look for other companies, I think maybe the cost of investment is going to be higher. Thanks for talking to us, Jason. We'll hopefully check back in with you to see how both of these stories are unfolding in the, in the coming months. I look forward to that. Thank you, Kaiser. Thank you, Jason. Next up is Coco Feng, who is a business reporter for Caixin Global. Uh, so, Coco, we are talking about sports lotteries in China. Um, now, lotteries, where I live, uh, they, they mean something something very specific. You know, you can scratch stuff off a card you buy in a gas station or convenience store to see if your numbers, you know, win you millions. Uh, but there are all sorts of lotteries. Uh, what are the lotteries in China that we are talking about specifically? So the story is about soccer lottery in China. People can bet money on the outcomes of games, especially soccer games during this super popular World Cup now. So tell us a little about the history here. How did these start and when? So the soccer lottery business was solely operated by China's government before, and they sell these tickets offline. But uh, since 2013, Beijing um, has approved the online sales of this lottery. And in the next year, which, is, which was in 2014, during the Brazil World Cup, the online soccer lottery was super popular. Many internet giants like Alibaba and Tencent and Baidu have also launched their own platform to sell tickets. So it's basically exploded with the availability online and with these new platforms getting in on the action. And then, of course, the World Cup. Uh, so what happened then? And then because there were too many platforms, big and small, the government kind of felt it, the industry was a little bit disordered. So in 2015, they put a ban on all the online sales of soccer lottery. But there were still many, many lottery platforms out there. 
mainly because during the non-World Cup seasons, the sales weren't that significant. So they were operating kind of quietly and under the radar. Yeah, yeah, I could say that. And, and during the period after 2015 until the present, when online sales were officially banned, uh, was the government still selling lottery tickets in hard copy offline? The government has always been selling these uh, products offline, and there are one or two legitimate online sales, but people have still have to get the tickets offline. So that pretty much takes us up to 2018. So what's the story now in the context of the World Cup? The story is that so now the 2018 World Cup has started and the soccer lottery sales have suddenly surged. It has come back to the spotlight and caught the attention of the government. So several uh, mainstream online soccer lotteries, including the ones backed by Tencent and Weibo, have suspended we don't know which put the suspension, but some sources told us that it should have been the government that have involved in the suspension. Uh, the general administration of sport. That, that's interesting. So you mentioned in your story the scale of the sales ahead of the crackdown. Uh, give us a sense of just how big they were. We got some numbers. For example, the three days that followed the this year's opening on June 14th, the sales continually hit daily records of about 2 billion yuan each day and was daily record since the product was launched in 2009. Uh, one question I have is, so if you bought a ticket before the suspension and you happen to win, what happens to, to your winnings? Those are still valid. The suspension just means you cannot put new orders now. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and a personal question for you, Coco, have you ever bought a sports lottery ticket? Um, I bought some four years ago. Um, I never won. Well, I look forward to seeing how the World Cup plays out, and maybe we'll check in with you after the games conclude. Sure. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Tyson Seneca Business Week is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Tyson Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Tyson Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Check out the latest podcast in the Seneca Network, the Pan Daily Tech Buzz China podcast, as well, of course, as our flagship current affairs show. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.